In season four of Mega Dumbcast, I unearthed and punched open the secrets of Shadaloo, buried on each and every goddamn page of the aptly named Secrets of Shadaloo, a supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game. Along the way, I blazed a trail into M. Bison's island headquarters of Mriganka, where I encountered some of Shadaloo's most intriguing gaming possibilities, yet left many still to be discovered. This week, the time has come to go back. Join me now in revisiting Mriganka. Today we're discussing the second of the major influences on the island of Mriganka, and specifically on uh, using Mriganka in a role-playing game, and that is Scaramanga's Island. For those of you who may not recall the connection, there is a real-life island off the coast of Thailand that was used for filming scenes at uh, Scaramanga's Island in The Man with the Golden Gun, uh, which is a James Bond movie uh, starring Roger Moore, one of the tonally lighter Bonds. I mean, not like there's no action in a Roger Moore Bond film, but like there's a car chase in this movie and a slide whistle is involved. No slide whistle in Casino Royale. Uh, That movie's only flaw. Anyway, this was a James Bond movie, and whoever decided on the geographical location of Mrigonka in the Street Fighter role-playing game, they put Mrigonka pretty much where that island is, which is called James Bond Island by some people in real life. Presumably, this is because Bison and Shadaloo are very James Bond-feeling antagonists, and just as Scaramanga's Island is an iconic Bond villain location, Shadaloo is meant to be an iconic villain location for the Street Fighter role-playing game. So if we want to kind of go backstage on what Mrigonk is, uh, what it's meant to achieve, how it's meant to feel, we have to return to the man with the golden gun and go to Scaramanga's Island. This was the first time I think I had made a concerted viewing of the man with the golden gun in preparation for this episode. It's an interesting movie, uh, an uneven movie, but I did enjoy it. I expected the typical Bond villain shenanigans, which are a very good fit with Shadaloo. What I didn't expect was that, you know, we talk a lot about Mrigonka's death traps, all the -the over-the-top weird-ass villainy happening on Mrigonka. It's gonzo quality. But it isn't just M. Bison's fortress. It's M. Bison's home. And so this episode isn't so much going to be about death traps, although, of course, there are death traps The basic language of Mrigonka's architecture and its public spaces is the death trap. But more than that, we're going to be talking about luxury, about lifestyle, because that's what we see with Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, obviously James Bond is this great spy. Like all great spies, he is known to everybody in the goddamn world, played by Roger Moore, a man who exudes charm and who is oozing it as fast as he can to try to (laughs) lubricate these movies to the point that they work because they're goofy as hell. That's James Bond. Then we have his foil in this movie, his antagonist, Scaramanga, who is the world's greatest assassin. He's got a little modular golden gun he can put together. He shoots golden bullets. Well, I should say he shoots golden bullet because that's his gimmick. He only ever needs one shot. One shot, done. Expert marksman. Also, nobody ever has seen him. Nobody's interacted with him. Nobody knows what his face looks like. So he's a total mystery. He is a fully min-maxed character, but a high-level one, one who took one skill up to and beyond the absolute theoretical maximum in the context of his world, and has leveraged that skill to acquire everything else he wants in life. So by the time we meet Scaramanga, he's living the world-famous criminal enigma lifestyle, and his private island is a huge part of that. And then while he's the min-maxed character, then you've got Bond, who is the super generalist. He's the character who can do everything. Like, Bond is great with a gun, not as good as Scaramanga, but he also drives. He also has all kinds of gadgets. The ladies also love him. He's also rich. He also knows everything about wine and art and science. Two classic kinds of Munchkin character. No wonder, then, that Scaramanga has 
one of cinema's greatest crushes, I would say, on James Bond. If Scaramanga were a little gay teenager, he would have a poster of James Bond in his room, but Scaramanga is not a little gay teenager. Scaramanga is a full-grown pansexual man, played by Christopher Lee, no less. He doesn't have a poster of James Bond. He has a life-size replica of James Bond, perfect in every detail. And yes, it's in his shooting gallery, but he has a special relationship with it. This is hero worship in the highest degree. He tells Bond as much, even as he's trying to kill him. And when Scaramanga encounters Bond on Scaramanga's island toward the climax of the movie, it's not so much like a big death trap, like a big uh, maze of death for James Bond, although it is that. It's more like Scaramanga is having him over for a really weird party. He's kind of giving him the tour of his deadly swanky island home, and that's very much what I'm going to give you, a tour of Scaramanga's deadly swanky island home to crib some ideas about how the island functions, not just as an evil base, but as like Casa de Bison, right? This is where he kills people, but it's also where he takes people for drinks. Uh, first of all, I want to direct you to the living room of Scaramanga's island. There is art here. There are masks on display. It's not just pictures of Scaramanga. You know, it's not just guns. It's not like him and his one thing. He's a man of some taste. He has decorated his space. He has interests. This is something we see very little of in Riganka as presented in Secrets of Shadowloo. And you know it's an omission because we do see arts and entertainment uh, sort of in the cracks, right? Like it's provided to guests in the fancy guest rooms. They have that whole video library. Uh, the people working in the robot lab have set up a little display for B-movies. But when it comes to the official layout and decor of the island, we don't get very much in the way of just art, just pleasing interior design. But then again, Bison's inner sanctum is pretty sparsely described, so there's room for art. What would Bison have on his walls? An intriguing question. Uh, Scaramanga has the swankiest goddamn lounge area in his living room. There's this big like natural feature, comes organically out of the wall. He's got this whole sitting area. He's got this giant window, looks out on the beach, and then he's got his little dining table next to it. Nothing imperious about this dining table. You think supervillain, sometimes you think of the long table in like this stone dining room next to the big imposing fireplace. What Scaramanga has here is, is lovely. You wouldn't have the peasants serve you a feast as they tremble under your boot, like Dr. Doom style here. This is where you would serve like a brunch before you kill someone. I think that shows a lot of class, makes you uh, the bigger man, which is important to establish right before you kill someone. No turning this around on you by inviting you to a fancier brunch. Brunch at 10, murder at 11, they die acknowledging you as the superior host. Also in the living room, there's like a hall of butterflies pinned to the walls. Not my thing, but a succinct statement for the swanky supervillain. I appreciate beauty, but I'm also very comfortable being surrounded by death, even on my way to the bathroom in the morning. Kind of says it all. Uh, moving on from the living room, I want to talk about not another location on the island, but Scaramanga's manservant, Knickknack, played by Hervé Villachez. He's a little person. The movie definitely plays this for comedy. I don't necessarily feel qualified to judge that. Like, it's hard to imagine a bunch of little people throwing a party and watching this movie for the first time and cheering on their boy and feeling well represented by a strong little person character who's like curling up in people's luggage or whatever. But maybe so. I don't know. You can't deny that Knickknack is a strong presence and a fun character in this movie. And it's not like he's just a walking short joke. Knickknack is really a part of the Scaramanga package. They're inextricably linked because Scaramanga doesn't want a toady. He doesn't want a bunch of trembling staff who are terrified of him. Scaramanga wants one competent, well-treated, trusted servant slash assistant, someone to represent him to guests. And that's what Knickknack is. In fact, Knickknack is so trusted that you sort of feel like Scaramanga is asking to be done in by the butler at some point because Knickknack runs this little security room on the island. 
He can see everything that's going on. When we meet Scaramanga at the beginning of the movie, Knickknack is paying somebody to kill Scaramanga at Scaramanga's request and then running this sort of like training program in the living room. Like while this guy tries to kill Scaramanga, Knickknack is in the control room, sealing the exits, talking to Scaramanga. He sort of set this up as a training scenario. He took Scaramanga's gun and hit it to keep Scaramanga sharp. All of this is at Scaramanga's request, I grant you, but he's giving Knickknack a tremendous amount of trust and power, letting him turn this whole living room into an escape-proof death trap. And then they go into the maze, and that's a whole other thing, but we'll, we'll talk about that separately. That deserves its own section. Knickknack, he greets you when you come to the island. He comes out to offer you wine when you land your plane covertly on the shores of the beach. I hate to say it, being a huge Bison fan as I am, this blows away the villainous reception on Rigonka. Jungleman, fuck off. Stereotypical quote-unquote tribal jungle people with literal bones in their noses trying to throw you into a volcano or whatever when you approach Mergonka. Then once you get past them, get over the water, what do you find? Four lazy motherfuckers, potato chip crumbs still on their uniforms, trying to chase you down an interceptor hovercraft that they probably haven't taken out of mothballs in years. There's grandeur in Mergonka, but it's pretty deep inland. You got to get through a lot of shoreline and swamp first. And by the way, did I mention that canonically Mergonka stinks? Remember that? smells bad. Climb up on the muddy fucking beach. It smells bad. Not Scaramanga. You land your plane on the shores of Scaramanga's beautiful beach island, and there's Knickknack in his immaculate, perfectly fitted white suit with a tray offering you refreshments before you go and attempt to kill the boss. That's class. That's confidence. Granted, this is not a sovereign nation. As anyone who's ever traveled into the United States from another country knows, a nation shows its greatness by making entrance as miserable and boring as possible, so I understand. But nonetheless, in this category, I think Scaramanga beats Bison for sure. Knickknack is the most important aspect of the luxury on the island, I would say, but it's not just him. There are also all these gadgets and amenities and technological marvels all over the island. Not in an ostentatious way, but just in a way where if you're a simple person of taste, everything you could want is right at hand on Scaramanga's island. Uh, the most important amenity, of course, for any character in a Bond film, is a sexy lady. I do consider her more of an amenity than a character. That's not a slam on her particularly or women in general. That is squarely a slam on Bond films. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, other than sex scenes and swimsuits, the role of women in a Bond film could mostly be played by like a prize horse with very little change to the story. So yeah, Scaramanga has a sexy lady who lives with him on the island. She lounges with him on the beach. She has nice brunches looking out on the beach with him, and there's a jewelry safe next to their bed, and one gets the sense that Scaramanga would probably throw this woman off a cliff if she tried, God forbid, to steal her own jewelry. That's their relationship. When she lays next to him in bed, she kind of curls up, and he just stares up at the ceiling, bare-chested, just daydreaming, just daydreaming about a certain someone whose initials are B, comma, JB. Other than the sexy lady, Scaramanga also has kind of a gymnastics pit right? It's not just the pommel horse or the balance beam. It's like a little recessed area. This is one of the key ideas of your 1970s style bases and layers. You got to recess things. There's nothing to turn a, a smattering of equipment into a place. Quite like recessing it just a couple of steps. It's like magic. This is not just the place on my floor where I keep my gymnastic shit. Step down one step, step down another step. Welcome to my gymnastics pit. Very classy. There's a beach for sunbathing on the island. Scaramanga seems to make pretty heavy use of it. It's directly outside the house. So this is house-adjacent sunbathing. There's an airlock on Scaramanga's little mansion that he's got, his little beach house. That's a very nice security feature. 
It's leaning a little more toward the high-tech security angle that is more prominent on Regonka, but it does fit Scaramanga's aesthetic because, first of all, it's a routine when you come in. It's a thing to take guests through to show them who the fuck they're dealing with. And secondly, it's about peace of mind. Everybody needs to sleep well at night. Everybody's got a different way to get there. M. Bison, as we know, levitates naked in a column of light. That's what makes him feel safe. For Scaramanga, it's a luxurious home on a private island with his precious jewelry in a safe, a gun by his side, and an airlock by the front door in case anyone tries to gas the island while he's sleeping. You don't really get your money's worth out of the airlock in a gas attack. You get your money's worth out of the airlock every night that you can go to sleep as a supervillain without tossing and turning in bed thinking, what if someone very understandably tries to gas me tonight? Uh, in terms of vehicles, we don't know very much about Bison's vehicles, but we do know about a lot of cool vehicles on Rigonka. Scaramanga has two major vehicles, a sailing ship for some reason, and a nice car that has uh, an attachable wing apparatus that locks onto the top that turns it into a flying car. Flying car, obviously very cool. Aside from the style, it gives you a way to drive or be driven back and forth from your island headquarters, which is something I feel like Bison could do a better job of. There's no signature vehicle for Bison, a real oversight for someone who kind of sort of exists in G.I. Joe continuity. A man of Bison's stature in that universe should really have some manner of toyetic aircraft. Now, I grant you he does have a rocket that can go to the moon, but that's not helpful for just getting to the mainland, to like go into town for a meeting or to catch a concert or whatever. I feel like most places in Thailand don't have shuttle parking, and even if they did, it seems like, even as one of the world's richest men, you don't really want to fly from an island off the coast of Thailand to Thailand by way of the moon. So Bison could use a flying car. Uh, finally, the, the big technological marvel of Scaramanga's Island is a giant solar facility. It's a whole big room. Super efficient, gives Scaramanga all the power he needs. I remember that it's like central to the plot of the movie in some way, but who the fuck cares? It's the ostensible reason for Bond to go to Scaramanga's Island, but we know the real reason for Bond to go to Scaramanga's Island, which is to disappoint us all, including Scaramanga, by not boning him. The solar energy generator also includes a giant laser that you can use to blow up things, like Scaramanga uses it to blow up Bond's airplane. Very convenient to just have the supervillain weapon built into the generator. Like, whoever made this solar facility, I feel like probably pitched this to Scaramanga. You know, I've got the plans all drawn up, solar collectors... You know, we've got everything in your house rigged up. My guess is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Scaramanga, you're probably going to want to use this energy surplus you're going to be running on some kind of giant laser. I've taken the liberty of just ordering a turret. We, like, we don't need to do this dance. We know you're going to have a laser attached to this thing. We don't want you to feel like you need to go to another firm to buy and attach the laser. We understand. I mean, we're installing a stolen prototype solar generator on the private island of a man with no legal identity. Somehow we deduced that we should bring our laser guy just in case. And Scaramanga went for it. So the big laser gun is like right in the room with all the boring generator stuff, you know, all the dials and catwalks and everything. When is giving Bond the tour, he then takes him over like, yes, isn't it all impressive? And look, here's the big fuck off gun that it powers. I really appreciate all that. And it's very Mriganka. Mriganka has that nuclear reactor. There's all kinds of deadly stuff right adjacent to the nuclear reactor. So Scaramanga and Bison are definitely on the same page here. The two best things, though, are the relationship of the characters to this big experimental solar generator. Number one, uh, spoilers for The Man with the Golden Gun. The climax of the movie is not James Bond fighting Scaramanga. That's not like the big set piece ending. Bond kills Scaramanga in a very good James Bond fight. Then the climax of the movie 
is James Bond and his absolutely fucking worthless swimsuited female assistant, Goodnight, just struggling to keep the reactor from blowing everything up, despite Goodnight's apocalyptic bungling. She is kind of the true villain of the movie, in the sense that all Scaramanga was going to do with this reactor was power his little beach house and fire lasers at aircraft to try to impress James Bond. Because he's evil, but he's not a dumbass. Goodnight is a dumbass, and she just starts fucking around with the generator and nearly gets everybody blown up. This seems like a very player character situation to me. I can definitely imagine the climax of a Street Fighter campaign where you're trying to take down Raganka being, okay, we've already fist-fighted Bison. We made it to his innermost sanctum where, like, the generator is and the psycho drive and everything. And then somebody had the brilliant idea of trying to do something clever with controls that they do not understand. And now the whole island's going to blow up. So it's just us versus us in the greatest battle of our lives, trying to undo our own fuck-ups before Raganka explodes in a mushroom cloud. That feels like a role-playing game. And then the other thing I love in terms of like character relationships to this generator is that when Scaramanga gives Bond the whole tour, he shows him the generator with great pride. This big solar facility he's had built, the experimental tech. He's like, look at this. Look how rich I am. Look how forward thinking I am. And so Bond starts rattling off some tech specifications like, oh, yes, solar power. I've heard of that, even though it's the 70s. Conversion to electricity. Fascinating, isn't it? And Scaramanga is like, dude, I don't know anything about this. I have no idea how the fuck this works. He actually shows Bond, this guy in a jumpsuit. I forget what his name is. Let's say that it's Carl. He's like, Mr. Bond, this is Carl. I hired Carl and had him wear a jumpsuit so he could come here and understand science for me. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea how this works. All I know is there's a big bright sun up there. There's a laser down here that I get to fire at airplanes. What ha what's happening in between, science-wise, I could try to understand, but I would rather not. I would rather take a nap with my sexy lady, whom I hate. I would rather fuck off down to the shooting range and fire my gun at a perfect lifelike replica of, you know, whoever. So Scaramanga is very honest about the fact that he loves having cool technology, but he did not invest in his science skill, and he does not plan to. Finally, and this is the this is the piece de resistance, attached to his swanky living room is what I can only describe as a psychedelic gun-themed haunted house that Scaramanga has built. They're animatronics. Like, you go in there with a gun, and then famous gun people throughout history jump out in animatronic form, like Al Capone tries to shoot you, Wild West outlaws try to shoot you. There's a skeleton in there. There's a hall of mirrors. This is where the lifelike full-size Bond dummy is. It's So it's full of these animatronics. It's full of bad visibility, mirrors. Basically, it, it's like a hall of firearm impediments, because Scaramanga is so good at guns, but his favorite thing is is challenging his marksmanship. So he's just had this big maze of things that make it harder to fire a gun built just so he can go run around in his in his fucking play place and enjoy the challenge. And about the beginning of the movie with like the hitman who was hired to kill Scaramanga and Scaramanga and at the end with Bond, Scaramanga takes the person he wants to fight slash play with into the Hall of Firearm Impediments so that they can have a game of cat and mouse. This is really where like the spirit of Mriganka is most apparent on Scaramanga's Island. It's very hard for me to do it justice in an audio medium, but it's not too hard to find these scenes. So if you have access to The Man with the Golden Gun, you haven't seen it, I would go check out these scenes for some inspiration. And that takes us to our final segments. Number one, what would we rip off for Mriganka from Scaramanga's Island? Uh, number one, that hall of firearm impediments, the haunted house but haunted with guns. The fact that it's attached to his living area the fact that it's got these like campy, over-the-top theme park lighting effects, animatronics, so theatrical, 
so much fun, great place for set piece combat, and the lifelike replicas. I mean, we talked about the Holo Robo Danger Room last time from the Udon comics. I do love the Holo Robo Danger Room, but there's also a certain charm in this more analog solution where instead of the, the sterile technological environment of faceless robots, ephemeral holograms, a room where you can enjoy the perfect fantasy, but that fantasy must soon fade away into these gleaming panels of glass and steel. There is a charm in instead having just like a 1970s tech level animatronic dummy of Chun-Li for M. Bison to like posture at, dress up in fun costumes, punch, startle at, as his manservant has it leap out from the shadows at him during training exercises, and it doesn't fade away into nothingness when training is done. There will always be a perfect lifelike replica of Chun-Li just like sitting in its alcove, attached to its little spring-loaded rail, ready for use. You develop a relationship with the animatronic. It's tactile. That also seems very much like M. Bison's style. And I like the fact that the Hall of Firearm Impediments is just that. It's not a death trap that is meant to be like this inescapable thing that he puts street fighters into and then they always escape, which strains credulity and is kind of like a boring supervillain cliche. Instead, Scaramanga's thing is, I'm such a good shot and I'm so good at killing people on the job, like out in the field. If I have you in my home, it's because I really want to make a meal of killing you. I respect you. I have this crush on you. I want to show you a good time before one of us dies. And that requires me to play with a handicap. So I'm going to put you not in a death trap that you supposedly can't escape. I'm going to put you in a death trap that I may not be able to escape. Let me even the playing field a little bit so that we can have a, a nice evening, even though like my murder handicap is a lot higher than your murder handicap, even if you're James Bond. That doesn't seem so much like M. Bison as he's often portrayed in other Street Fighter media, but it seems very much like M. Bison as we see him in the RPG, because there, he's really spoiling for a fight. The M. Bison of the RPG wants a challenge. I think he loved lower-level play. He loved really scraping with people. And now that he's kind of got everything and he's in the end game, he wants that back. So I can definitely see him having his own, like, haunted house, but for fisticuffs, where the ground moves underneath you, and portcullises come down to separate you, and you got to run around another way and find each other again. Halls of mirrors for sure, so that the next time hopelessly outmatched street fighters invade his inner sanctum, he can still destroy them, but it'll be an event to remember, not just another random murder in his own bedroom. I also think that Bison should have a very swanky living area, like a great quarters that is, is decorated and shows his style and his personality. But this is something we're going to discuss in a later episode in another context, so we'll save that for later. Uh, what would I disregard from this inspiration from Riganka? Uh, honestly, it would be Knickknack and Scaramanga's sexy lady accessory. Those things are perfect for Scaramanga, especially Knickknack. Knickknack is, is central to what makes the island an extension of, of who Scaramanga is. Not only the world's greatest assassin, but really the world's greatest host, I think. And a man with, with real class, real sophistication. Knickknack is perfect for that. M. Bison is not, especially as portrayed in the role-playing game. M. Bison is a lonely figure. He has no sexy lady accessory. I mean, in the video games, he does have sexy ladies who are almost literally accessories. Like, they're called dolls. He makes female clones to hold his consciousness if he should ever need to inhabit them, who he just kind of, like, dresses in cute outfits and keeps around. But, like, I don't think he needs one curling up next to him in his bed or in his light tube, as the case may be. Uh, as for Knickknack, like, the duties in Riganka are divided evenly among a lot of different people, a lot of different kinds of henchmen. 
really fits the evil Disneyland vibe that you've got this diversity of different weirdo staff who take care of different things. And the thing to remember is M. Bison is not so much the proprietor of evil Disneyland as it's one obscenely rich customer. It's for him. M. Bison wants to experience his weird diversity of henchmen. If he ran actual Disneyland, he would have the employees address him in character as Tinkerbell or Goofy or whoever. That's what he likes. And because he loves that variety, he's never going to have that one signature trusted servant. Bison displays his greatness and his personality by having a huge wacky diversity of henchmen gathered around his own singular lonely figure. In fact, just like with uh, the sexy lady accessory, the closest thing Bison has to Knickknack is his dolls, I think, right? Like he sometimes shows a special affection for like Cammy or whoever, whoever his latest favorite doll is. And they're just clones of him. In fact, you know what? This is exactly, this is why, even though Bison has a lot in common with Scaramanga, Knickknack and the sexy lady don't work for Bison. It's because Bison is his own Knickknack and Bison is his own sexy lady. Scaramanga, I mean, he's, he's pretty put together, but his style is very casual. Like he's at home, he's relaxing, he's sunbathing, he's, sometimes he's wearing just like a little casual shirt. He doesn't look like a person who's trying to dress rich, he looks like a rich person actually dresses at home. Like today, it's sandals all day long, inside and outside, and I may wear socks and I may not, as the mood strikes me. Who is to judge? I have money. But then Knickknack is always dressed up, always elegant, always correct, and that displays Scaramanga's dignity and his prestige. Bison, on the other hand, you're not going to catch Bison in sandals. Bison wears this elaborate dictator outfit, the cape and everything, and he does dress up his dolls, but his dolls are female clones of him. So it's sort of like, okay, I'm a big burly man. I look like a monster. I look great in dictator clothes, but I can't really carry off this little kind of cute gray lozenge-shaped hat, but a cute little girl me could. So let me make a cute little girl me and dress her up in a cute little hat cute little skirt. And so the dolls become his sexy lady accessory as well. Anyway, that wraps up today's discussion of Scaramanga's Island. Join me next time as we return not only to Street Fighter Media, but to the root of Street Fighter Media, the games themselves, on Revisiting Mriganka. This has been Revisiting Mriganka, a bonus series from Mega Dumbcast. Contact me or check out the show wherever you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Podbean, Twitter, Gmail, Instagram, your podcatcher of choice, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This episode's music, used under a Creative Commons attribution license, is Tired Traveler on the Way Home by Andrew Codeman, whose work you can find at raskazoff.com. That's R A S S K A Z O F F.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'll bust you like a nut.